All right. We're talking about joy today. We're talking about joy. Amen. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, I'll be talking about this whole area of joy. And one of the things I find amazing about joy is that a lot of Christians don't realize that it's a spiritual quality. It's actually a spiritual quality. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians chapter 5, if you look from verse 22 onwards, it's talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Go and look from verse 19, 20, 21, 22. And what is interesting there, it says love, it says joy, it says peace. It says patience, it says kindness, it says goodness, it says all those wonderful things, long-suffering. And it's funny because when we're not walking in love, what we do, we repent, don't we? When we're not walking in love, we repent and we say, oh, I wasn't very loving. When we're not walking in patience, we say, oh, I had to repent of lack of patience. But how many of you have ever walked in repentance when it comes to lack of joy? Joy is a spiritual quality. Sometimes we see joy as this add-on in our lives. And so I want to start off by really talking about joy and defining it. Can we do that? And I'm telling you right now, if you receive this particular thing, it will break something off your life and you'll find yourself walking at another level of joy. Walking at another level of joy. You see, I want to propose to you this morning proposing a point. I don't want to propose to anyone, okay? I've already done that. I want to propose to you that your destiny, the direction which your life takes, will be determined by what you choose to be your primary source of joy. The direction which your life is going to take is determined by whatever you choose to be your primary source of joy. You see, when we talk about joy, my key question to you is, Who's your source of joy? What's your source of joy? We're going to go deeper into this. Do you know that 25% of job success is predicted by IQ? 25% of job success is predicted by IQ. But 75% is predicted by your optimism, your social support, and your ability to see stress as a challenge instead of a threat. In other words, you can have someone who's not that smart becoming very successful because of the social support they have, because of how they view stress as a challenge, not a threat. Are you following me this morning? All right. And because they're optimistic. There are a lot of people who are very smart people. But because they don't have the social support, because they're not optimistic, because they view stress as a threat and not a challenge, they're not successful. Your smartness alone won't make you effective in life. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, what I think is so wonderful is the emotions that God gives us. Emotions are wonderful when they're positive. And I want to show you that there are different levels of happiness. You see, the first level is the pleasure of the moment. Remember, we, we're defining joy. And I want to tell you that what people sometimes call joy isn't joy. It's just the first level of happiness. And it's not a bad thing. It's just that it's level one. So the first level is the pleasure of the moment, like enjoying an ice cream. For some of you, if I were to give you a chocolate... You would just jump up and down. You would just get so ignited just because you've been given a chocolate. You know the feeling I'm talking about. Those of you who like chocolate, right? It's that. But guess what? You won't still be feeling like that half an hour later, 10 minutes later. You won't be feeling like that. So this type of pleasure of the moment, it's momentary. It doesn't last. And very often we pursue this sense of delight. We pursue it. We pay lots of money for it, but it doesn't last. Are you hearing me this morning, ladies and gentlemen? And I find it interesting because sometimes we have the most extreme forms of expression when people are excited about getting a chocolate or eating an ice cream. The second level of happiness this is the happiness you experience when you've just accomplished a goal, when you've just won something, right? Look at Falcao over there. All right. Um, yes. 
the nice thing about him, I know you feel like Paul, you're biased just because he used to play for your team. I'm also biased because he's a strong Christian. He wants to be a pastor after he's finished his soccer. But do you know what grown men do when they've just scored a goal? What do they do? You see these guys piling up on top of each other. And you feel sorry for the guy at the bottom, don't you? Right? And you think to yourself, if I, were to, if I was to see a group of grown men doing that, what guys do on the soccer fields. If I was to see them outside doing that, I would think to myself, hey, these guys are crazy. There's something wrong here, right? But there's a type of happiness we experience when we've just won, when we've just achieved something. It's the type of happiness you experience when you look back, when you look back to the work you've done. When you feel like, you know what? I'm happy with that piece of work. Oh, I think it was a good job that I did. Does that make sense? Oh, I think I aced it. That's a level of happiness. But how many of you know that it's limited because you don't always ace it? You don't always achieve something great. In fact, the space that a lot of people live in, they live in a space of anxiety up until they've accomplished a goal. Have you noticed that? So they think to themselves like, I'll be happy only once I've achieved that particular goal. But the problem is that their happiness is now based on their performance. So they're anxious up until they've performed. Once they've performed, they feel like, cool, I got 100%. Cool, I got 90%. They feel happy for a while and then they start being anxious. But was it really that great? Was my 90% good enough? You know, you get your bonus at work. Those of you get bonuses at work. And you're happy until you discover what the guy next to you, who you feel you performed, you outperformed, until you discover what they got. I see it with my kids. We give them something and they're like happy. And one of them in particular has got a way of like looking and seeing what his brothers have got. And then the happiness level goes down. And this is what we're talking about here because it's very relative, isn't it? Is it fine to feel happy because of your accomplishments? Of course, it's an emotion that the Lord has given us. It's fine. But one of the things we're discovering more and more is that happiness produces a power in you to help you to accomplish your goals. You see, we've been looking at it the other way around. Our mindset has been, I'll be unhappy until I achieve. No. We've learned that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The book of Nehemiah says, and what has been found even physiologically, the dopamine in your system that is generated when you feel happy, when you feel joyful, actually helps you to accomplish your goals. Are you following me this morning? Dopamine is a precursor to adrenaline. You know that adrenaline you feel when you really have energy to accomplish greatness? Dopamine is a precursor to that and it comes from a place of elation, from a place of joy. So God has designed the human body that when you are feeling joyful, you are actually energized. It's a known fact that people perform better when they feel good about themselves. Amen? So don't limit your happiness to your success or your progress. Otherwise, you'll be feeling anxious up until the time that you accomplish your goals. Are you getting this this morning? The third level of happiness is when you contribute to your community, when you feel connected and significant. Do you ever have it when you're amongst a group of people and you're doing something and you feel like, you know what, I have just contributed. I have just given. That's why the Lord says it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's a type of happiness you experience when you know you're significant. A sense of significance is that feeling of I matter. When I walk into a room, my presence is felt. When I leave the room, they miss me. How many of you feel that about your homes? You feel that at home. It's nice to see a number of hands going up. I'm seeing a lot of hands not going up. <laughs> and then I'm seeing people like Tendai under duress. Oh, I better do it. I don't know what my husband will say. Right? All right. So, so what is interesting to me is God has wired us for community. Amen? Right now in the Pretoria East Church, they're preaching on community. God has wired us for community. He's wired us for relationship. And there's a happiness we experience when that, when that takes place. Now, what a lot of people don't understand is that there's a positive correlation between joy and meaningful relationships. I'll talk a bit more about that next week. But there's a positive correlation between joy and meaningful relationships. In other words, the happiest people in the world are in relationship. I didn't say are married. 
I said in relationship, me deep, meaningful relationships. Are you following? Because there's some people who are in bad marriages. Number four, the fourth level of happiness, fulfillment of a cause or purpose bigger than ourselves. When you're fulfilling a cause that is bigger than you, you find yourself feeling a certain level of happiness, which is the fourth level, right? There's a particular lady, she spoke to me recently and she said, Paul, my son needs help. He was admitted to, into hospital. He's, um, he's a young adult, okay? So he's not a little boy, he's a young adult. And she said, my son needs help, can you help him? Because he was admitted to hospital because he was attempting suicide. And I said, well, what's going on in his life? And she says to me, he feels like he looks around and he sees his friends doing all these amazing things and he feels like he's been left behind and there's no purpose. He's got no purpose. There's no meaning in life. How many of you know that there's a link between depression and a sense of meaninglessness? There's a link between feeling despair and depression. You go from despair to depression. There's a link between that and a lack of purpose. Right now, Pastor Vim, uh, is, they, they're ministering at TUT on purpose, helping the people there to discover their purpose. And some of you are here in this place and we teach a lot on purpose. We've written a lot of uh, work on purpose and so on, but you still don't know your purpose. How many of you know that knowing your purpose produces joy? It's another level of happiness. Are you following me this, this morning? Right? So there are levels of happiness and you can choose what level you'll function at. There's what's called hedonism. And the world is big on hedonism. It's the pleasure of the moment. So people have to go and experience some high. But how many of you know that just to the same degree as they're so quick to experience that high, to the same degree do they fall down and experience the low? Amen? Because that's not happiness biblically. That's hedonism. Let me just do whatever I want to do right now to experience the thrill of it. The one night stand. The drugs. Church has gone very quiet. I must be scratching where it's itching. So that's the fourth level of happiness. But that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on what I call level five, which is, which is the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. The joy of the Lord, which is a spiritual quality. It's a spiritual quality. Now it's interesting when you look in scripture, the word that is used in the Greek is the word Kara. It's the word kara, which means to extend favor, to lean towards, to be favorably disposed. Okay? And it's to do with the awareness of God's grace. So that feeling that you have, that thing that happens on the inside of you when you are so conscious of the grace of God and his delight over you, that's joy. Are you following me this morning? That is joy. And that's why we see in scripture, often Jesus would say, now enter the joy of your master. That's the joy of the Lord. Enter the delight of your master. Enter that space in life where you are so conscious of the father's pleasure over you. That is the joy God wants to give us. Amen. And what is interesting is you'll hear certain terms where it says they returned with joy. Remember when the 72 had been sent out and they just accomplished life purpose things. They just cast out devils, done all sorts of things. And Jesus corrected them because they were rejoicing because demons were being cast out. Now what would happen on the day where a demon doesn't leave? Then they would feel unhappy. And Jesus corrected their source of joy. He says, do not rejoice because demons are being cast out at your command. He says, rejoice because you know that your names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the joy of your salvation. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The joy of knowing I'm forgiven. The joy of knowing I'm saved. The joy of knowing I have eternity with Christ. The joy of knowing that the life of God is within me. That is the type of joy we're talking about. Amen? And that's what God gives us. And um, you, you also see this word used where it says, they heard the word with joy. Do you know that emotion you experience when you listen to a message that's for you and you're like, God, you've singled me out. God, it's as if you are speaking just to me. What happens when the word of God gets into you and you literally swallow it? You experience joy. 
That's why Jesus says, I've told you these things so that your what may be complete, so that your joy may be complete. You experience joy to the degree to which you receive his word for you. Are you following this morning? You experience joy to the degree to which you receive his word for you. His word comes with joy. It says that they received the good news of joy. We're going to go deeper into this. That's why he says there is more joy in heaven for the sinner who repents. In other words, when salvation comes to your household, it produces joy. You look and your response is, wow, this is exciting. It's a joy of our salvation. The Bible describes this as inexpressible joy. It's joy that is difficult to even express. I remember in my life as I was growing up, there would be times when I would literally feel so joyful my body couldn't contain it. But I knew it was the joy of the Lord because it was not linked to a circumstance. I would feel so excited in my spirit, in my inner man. It was something God had poured into me, but it was not based on, oh, you've just won this. You've just won that rap competition. It wasn't that, because that never happened, all right? <laughs> all right, but the point is, he says there's more joy in heaven for the sinner who repents. He says they heard the word with joy. They returned with joy. What is interesting is in the Old Testament, it's the word chada, all right? We, we spell it C-H-A-D-A-H, right? And it's interesting because it literally means to rejoice. So... The references to joy in the Old Testament speak about joy as a verb, something you actually do. And here's, here's the learning, here's the learning. When you rejoice, it produces joy. When you rejoice, it produces joy. That's why the scripture tells us in the book of James, count it all joy. So joy is not just something that happens to you. Joy is something you first do, you rejoice. And to the degree to which you keep rejoicing, there is the oil of joy poured over you. Are you following? Are you following? Amen. All right. So we rejoice. I like, I like this definition of joy. Joy is a state of mind. This is very powerful. Joy is a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. It is a settled state of contentment. My wife spoke about contentment earlier on. It's a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. It is something or someone that provides a source of happiness. That is powerful. I like what Rick Warren says about joy. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything, as Bob Marley said, every little thing is going to be all right. Amen. It's a quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice, joy is a choice. There's a book called Happiness is a Choice. Amen. Even the world understands that happiness is a choice. And the determined choice to praise God, this is what joy is, the determined choice to praise God in every circumstance. In every circumstance. What am, I, what am I talking about? I was speaking to someone yesterday and they were telling me that in their previous place of employment, they had been sharing all sorts of ideas with the business owners and saying, you know what, if we do A, B, C, D, these are the results, this is the fruit. But the business owners couldn't see it. And so this person subsequently resigned and started their own business. And I said, well, when, when, you, when you're working in the previous place, do you see that as university fees? Do you see that as learning? He says, Paul, definitely. I learned so much in that environment and some of the things I had proposed to them that they said no to, I'm now using when I'm starting up my own business. I'm now using it. And doors are opening for him because of that. Now, if he didn't count it all joy when people rejected his ideas, he won't be where he is today. You see, some people, their ideas are rejected and they get offended. They don't count it joy. They get offended. And that offense results in their demotion. I mean, if you're, you know what I'm talking about. You can get demoted spiritually by God. The Bible tells us it's the Lord who raises up one and puts down another. So there are people God can also demote. Amen? I know some of you come from the school of thought where you think, no, God only promotes. That's how God is. You've just made God in your own image. You've just made God this, this God that you want him to be. But he, he raises up some and he brings down others. Amen? 
And so what happened is that this guy had a breakthrough because he counted it all joy in a difficult circumstance, in a difficult situation. His attitude remained pure. This is a word for some of you right now that you're in situations that you should count to be joyful. You count it all joy, the situation. Are you hearing me this morning? Praise God. In, in ancient Greek times, joy was something that you feel as you move towards your potential. But today, we talk about joy and happiness as just pleasure. As just pleasure. How have you defined happiness? What are you pursuing today, ladies and gentlemen? Another thing I want to just highlight is that there's a common myth. And a common myth is that happiness comes when you're blind to the negative things in your life. That's not true. The type of joy I'm explaining to you right now is not based on happenings. It's not based on, oh, let me blind myself to the negative things around me so I feel joyful. It's not that. And that's why you find that someone can be running 21Ks, 42Ks, experiencing so much pain in their bodies. But if you say to them, how did you feel? What happens? They'll say to you, eat, this thing is becoming addictive. I'm going to go again. They're experiencing pain and fullness of happiness at the same time. Are you following me this morning, ladies and gentlemen? Right? It's the same with childbirth. Many people will say it's extremely painful. I can't tell you experientially, right? But many people will say it's extremely painful when they're giving birth to a child, but at the same time, it's such a joyful experience. <laughs> Some of you I know are thinking like, ah, Pastor Paul, eh, I think in my case, ah, maybe I'm just different, nah? because ah, in my case, I think the pain was <laughs> at another level. All right? You see, I like what Sean Aker says. He says, if you sugarcoat the present, you make poor decisions for your future. If you sugarcoat the present, you make poor decisions for your future. So the type of joy we're talking about here this morning, it's not about sugarcoating the present. It's not about saying like, I know everything is all hunky-dory. No, it's being able to say, even in the midst of my pain, even in the midst of my difficulty, even in the midst of my rejection, I'm seeing Jesus and I'm grabbing a hold of the joy of my salvation. But if you're not yet saved, there's no joy of your salvation. Amen. I believe God wants to free us and take us to new levels of joy. How many of you believe that this morning? So I want to share with you some principles. Principle number one, joy is an inter internal state. Joy is an internal state. Joy is not about what happens the, on the outside. It's something that starts off from within. It's inside out. Say to the person next to you, joy is inside out. Right. God is freeing some of you this morning. He's freeing some of you. Some of you um, have had to, to rely on medication just to keep yourself going. And I know it's many people. I was coaching some, someone recently and they said, yeah, Paul, you know, please don't tell anyone. But yeah, I'm on this. And who I've been on it like for the last however long, a year or so. And Paul, it's working fine. I said, that's fine. It's fine temporarily, but we need to get to the root of this. Because whatever you resist will persist. So even if you're on medication, what happens is if the root issues are there, they'll still come out one day. They might come out as ulcers. They might come out as cancers. You're hearing what I'm saying? Right? Just because we've got wonderful medication nowadays is no excuse as Christians to say, ah, no, so I don't need God. God is a jealous God and he wants us to run to him and he wants us to get to the bottom of our issues. Are you hearing me this morning? All right? <clears throat> it's not based on external circumstances. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 11 to 12. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 11 to 12. My wife uh, was tracking with me in the spirit when she used this verse earlier on. He says, I'm not saying this out of need. For I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. Ladies and gentlemen, this is maturity and this is a source of joy. There's a link between joy and contentment. If you look at that definition of joy, within it is contentment. I've got a friend, a number of years ago, he turned 40 and he says, the gift God gave me on my 40th. Many people gave me gifts, but he says, one of the gifts God gave me was the gift of contentment. This is Pastor James, Pastor James from City Life Church. That's what he said. 
The gift of contentment. Some of you need that. The gift of contentment. He goes on to saying, I know how to live humbly and I know how to abound. I am accustomed to any and every situation, to being filled and being hungry, to have plenty and having need. Do you know why some of you don't walk in joy? Your level of contentment is too linked to your external circumstances. So when your bank balance is low, you have a bad week and you're not great to be around. When your bank balance is high, all of a sudden you're excited and you become your authentic self. I've seen people like that. When things are going well for them, all of a sudden they're great to be around. When things are going badly, oh, my boss didn't like my presentation. Oh, this guy cut in in the traffic. And you're like a yo-yo. And the people around you feel emotionally abused. I know a situation in one organization where people are like, we just wish this lady would be the same all the time. Would rather she's horrible all the time. But Paul, the problem is that sometimes she's up, sometimes she's down. And we struggle with that. And she was due to, for, for retirement. I won't make it obvious. I won't say the month in case people on the internet listen to this and so on. And they put two and two together. She was due for retirement. I'll say, hey, so guys, so, so what's happening? You know? And they said, we're counting down, Paul. We're counting down. <laughs> There was a guy who was working under her and this guy literally became suicidal. He became suicidal. Linked to that just in how he relates to this person. Amen? Amen. There's something about the joy of the Lord that makes you constant as a person. Where when people experience you, there's something solid about you. If you keep having ups and downs, ask yourself, what is triggering that? Now, we're not going to have a group therapy session right now. The Holy Spirit is just going to be ministering deeply to you. But ask yourself what the trigger is. Some of you, you take on other people's heaviness. You know that you can be so sensitive spiritually, where God wants you to pick up things in the spirit and to address it and to bind it over someone else but because you're so sensitive in the spirit what happens you just take it on oh whenever I'm with that person I feel heavy afterwards you don't have to take on that thing you can rebuke it in them you can bind it in them does that make sense just watch out for that especially for prophetic people those of you who are quite prophetic and sensitive spiritually in James chapter 1 verse 2 to 3 it says count it all joy my brethren, when you encounter various trials, is it saying the circumstance is good? No. It's saying even when you experience a trial, count it all joy. Even when you experience someone cutting in in the traffic in front of you, count it all joy. Let me give you a quick tip. If, how many of you get irritated with traffic that it actually affects your mood for the day? Let me give you a tip. Have an alternative response. Have an alternative response. So don't say, I won't be horrible this time. I won't be horrible this time. No. Choose how you will respond. That's why the Bible says, do good to those who persecute you. Pray for those who hurt you. Jesus understood that principle. That you must actually have pre-decided, this is how I'm going to respond. Next time someone cuts in, you would have already decided. Next time someone cuts in in front of me, I'm going to pray for them. Oh Lord, I bind that spirit of impatience. However you pray. Oh Lord, I pray that they, you keep them safe. Often I'm praying for people's safety because I see these guys zooting past me and I'm like, Lord, I just, please protect them, Lord. May they not get involved in an accident. Some of you get angry because one of the second stages of anger or third stage of anger is frustration, then it's blame, then it's you deserve to be punished, then I'll punish you. So when you're that you deserve to be punished stage, as the person is overtaking you, like, I hope they have an accident and they learn. Right? Instead, pray for God's mercies over that person. Pray, Lord, that you know what? We're, they're clearly in a rush. Like we all aren't. They're clearly in a rush, Lord. I pray for them that they make it safely, Lord. That they don't get in trouble when they get to work and have to do that five million rand presentation they're in a rush for. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Because your emotional state is more important than the injustice that has just happened. 
okay, it's landed. Some people are saying, okay, that's true. Mm. You know something has landed as a pastor when it's not just people saying amen, but they're saying, yeah, no, mm, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, um, so, so watch this. He says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. What are the trials you're experiencing? Domestic trials, international trials, political trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Could it be a test that you're going through? Every morning when that thing happens, is it a test that you're going through? Maybe it's a test, but it produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results. What is that? So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If I want to get to a place in my life where I'm lacking nothing, I have to be counting it all joy. Amen. That's why when people say to me, Paul, how's life treating you? I say to them, I'm treating it well. I have to keep reminding myself that, that I'm the one who will shape my environment. Paul, how's married life treating you? I'm treating it well, thank you. Amen. Paul, how's Centurion treating you? I'm treating it well, thank you. Paul, how's the church treating you? I'm treating them well, thank you. That's what I can shape. My mood is not going to be affected based on how you treat me. I'm not going to give you that power. Amen? Amen? Very often we give power to other people's weaknesses. Often people treat us badly because of their own issues, not because of us. But if you have the root of rejection in you, you'll just be like, is there something wrong with me? Am I not beautiful enough to my husband? <laughs> my husband doesn't love me. When we were watching the movie the other day, he was really glued as he was watching that actress. <laughs> my joy, my joy, my joy. Some of you are living in that space. There's no freedom there. If you go down that path, there'll be an excuse for depression every single minute of your life. There'll be a reason. Amen? As a pastor, I can, get, I can end up feeling down if I see these vacant seats in an auditorium. But my level of joy isn't based on church attendance. Are you hearing me? Okay, some of you don't care about those things. <laughs> just like, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. I don't care who else comes, it's just for me, Lord. <laughs> okay? So, so we see that joy is primarily a heart condition. Ladies and gentlemen, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 8 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 8 to 9. It says, though you have not seen him. Some of you have to see things to experience happiness. Though you have not seen him and even though you do not see him now. I'm kind of thinking, yo, Peter, man. Okay, you're now looping here. You know, it's like same point. So though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. How many of you have experienced that in your life? An inexpressible and glorious joy. But we haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. Here's a principle. If you want to increase your joy levels, make sure that you're not overly reliant on what you can see in the flesh. Don't only rejoice when the deal has landed and the people have signed and you're seeing and you're holding that document. See things, learn to see things in the spirit and rejoice because of what has been established in the spirit. The Bible tells me that I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Can I see all those things physically? No, not necessarily. But I rejoice because I see it and it's so real to me. Amen. You see, for me, you know, with the whole t the TV thing that happened, I think many of you, thanks for your encouragement, you saw on SABC2 Morning Live. If you haven't seen, you can just go on YouTube, Paul Nyamuda, SABC or something, then you'll find it. But it was great being interviewed and so on. Lots of people are watching, etc. But for me, I'm rejoicing because of what I'm seeing in the spirit. My rejoicing had already been happening way back. I'm not only going to start rejoicing when my books are all over the world and so on. I've already seen it. It's a reality in the spirit. Do you understand? 
So that's why some people, oh, so Paul, are you excited? So Paul, I was already excited way back. In 2004, when I was writing those affirmations down saying, you know what, I'm grateful that as a world-class communicator, my books are influencing people on the continent. It had already happened. It was so, so real to me then. Amen? So if I leave church and only two people in the church have bought a book, my joy level is not based on that. Are you following? Just so you know. Now watch this, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, joy is essentially more to do with the unseen than the seen. Some of you have to see something to start rejoicing. Just think about it. Some of you have to see something before you start rejoicing. Come on, we are prophetic people. Can someone switch off the air cons? It's getting quite hot. Or am I the one feeling hot because I'm moving around? It is quite warm, I think. But it doesn't always count when my wife says it because, um, you see, the thing is, black people like the sauna effect. <laughs> so we have to always like, <laughs> you know, some of these things, you'll have someone saying, but we're cold, but we're cold. And then you'll have Theo at the back there, you can see his like cheeks are red and so on. <laughs> My wife, was, when she's here, she's often saying, my love, I think we should actually, yeah, I think we need to cool it down a bit. And I say, okay, let me just check with everyone else first. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. He made us different, eh? So joy is a heart condition. Everyone getting this this morning, all right? Joy is to do more with what you cannot see than see, but it's what you see in the spirit. When you're delighted by circumstances, then you just experience the lower levels of happiness. When you're the kind of person who's only delighted by what you can see in the natural, yes, you'll be excited, but you li literally limit yourself to the lower levels of happiness. That's what ends up happening. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine. Do you know that it's been found that laughter boosts your immune system? When you laugh, you're actually boosting your immune system. Laughter is good medicine. Now the Bible is saying this here, but we actually know it physiologically, biologically. Isn't that wonderful? So when you're sick, try to laugh. But it's even better when you do it before you fall sick. Okay? The Bible says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. How many of you have a broken heart? How many of you have a crushed spirit? The condition of your spirit, man, affects your body. That's why very often when we are praying for people, like at Ignite, I said to a group of people, we had a powerful time, God was really present, and I said, come up, those of you who are sick and need healing. But I think for every single person I was praying for, the primary thing wasn't their physical thing, was it, right? It was the other stuff that is going on. And I felt there, in many cases there was breakthrough as the other stuff was sorted, there was breakthrough also physically. Psychosomatic illnesses, there are a lot of those. How you think affects your physical body, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. I like what Norman Cousins, um, he's, a, he's a political journalist, uh, he's got a famous quote where he said, hearty laughter is a good way to jog internally without having to go outdoors. <laughs> my wife was saying to me earlier on, my love, don't you want to come and join me in my training today? Just come, it'll encourage me having you. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. And yeah, maybe because I've been meditating on this particular quote, you know, hearty laughter. I'll just chill at home laughing. Hearty laughter is a good way to jog internally. My love, I'm jogging internally. <laughs> without having to go outdoors. Now we know that's not entirely true, but there's some truth to it, isn't it? Right? And guys, this is so crucial. It's so important. Now, we know that smiling is also good for us. Do you know that when you smile, when you smile, right, you actually do certain things with your muscles on your face. And what you do, the changes that happen to your muscular structure on your face actually send signals to your brain to basically say, we're feeling happy here. That's why your body language actually affects how you feel on the inside. You know that. 
Can I just go, can I go a bit deeper? Body language is so important, guys. Do you know that they found, and I've shared with some of you this before, if someone is running the 100 meters, and then they get to the finish line, and they realize that they, they've won, or they've broken the record, what do they do with their hands? They lift them up, don't they? They lift them up like this. Who taught them to do that? Where do they see it happening? Some people say it's learned behavior, but it's been found that people born blind, when they're told you've won, you've won, they also do this. And when you do this physically, what are you doing? Testosterone, which is your power hormone, goes up, and cortisol, your stress hormone, goes down. So how you are physically affects you on the inside. That's why we talk about rejoicing. Rejoicing is something we do. It's not just, oh, I don't go into. That's why we make a decision to make a joyful noise in praise. Are you getting this? This To make a joyful noise in praise. Your posture is important. I'm not saying the next time you have an interview, you must now stand in front of your boss and say, I am powerful. Super me. Super me. But you know what? There are things you can do in the bathroom beforehand. Just in terms of how you carry yourself. Does that make sense? When you're standing before an interview and you like this and you like this and so on, your cortisol actually goes up. Your stress hormone goes up and your, and your power hormone goes down. Amen? And that's why I love the Old Testament where it expresses that, you know what, we must rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. It's something you actually do. You choose to do. You put your praise on. Amen? Why are you so downcast, oh my soul, David says. Put your hope in God. What is happening? His spirit is commanding his soul to line up with God's word. Isn't that powerful? Okay. So a joyful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine. You know that research shows that people who laugh more often release higher levels of endorphins every day. Okay. Those that your, your feel-good chemicals in your body. Right? In fact, statistics have depicted that children who laugh approximately 300 times per day are shown to release more endorphins relative to adults who only laugh about five times a day. Now, some people out there have said, oh, is that technically true or not? But the principle is this. Children laugh way more times per day than adults. My question to you this morning is, when did you stop laughing? When did you stop laughing? I do personality tests on people and it's interesting to see what people are like at home and what they're like at work. And with a lot of people, they push down that side of themselves when they're at work. No, you must be seen as serious, you know, people. No. When did you stop laughing? For some of you, there's no more laughter at home. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, the Holy Spirit has just located you. Yes. <laughs> There's no laughter at home anymore. And some of you have even been having those conversations with your spouses. I'm being serious, where you've been saying, hey, how come we don't laugh? And your kids are the ones packing out laughing, but very quickly they're learning also to not laugh. If you're not laughing anymore, I want to encourage you to do something. It's a very practical thing. Phone up someone regularly make it a ritual where you know you're guaranteed a laugh with that person <laughs> i know if i when, whenever i phone up my brother william i'm guaranteed a laugh he'll laugh at all my jokes i laugh at his jokes amen laughter is good it helps us in terms of our joy amen principle number two god is our source of joy when we're talking about that fifth level of happiness, God is our source of joy. And the moment you keep running to other things as your source of joy, you are basically tying God's hands. You see, the type of joy God wants to give you and bless you, it's where he fills you up with the oil of joy. And that's a joy no one can take from you. Take not away the joy of my salvation. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 3. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Number, verse 3. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Who is giving a nation joy? God. How many of you know that joy can be experienced at a national level? 
Studies have been done on depression and there are certain nations that are more joyful than other nations. And it says here, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. One of the things we should pray as a prayer point is more joy in this land. It says, now watch this, then here's the verb. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. That's why when you've cast out a demon, you're dividing the plunder. When you've had breakthrough in your life and you're taking territory that the enemy had robbed, you're dividing the plunder and there's a rejoicing that takes place. Some of you should be rejoicing about certain breakthroughs, but you're not. You're like, I just want it to be confirmed. I'm just still waiting for the letter. And then I'll start rejoicing. You're doing it the wrong way around. Are you, is this landing? You're doing it the wrong way around. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with some joy. No, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How does it happen? Is it a passive thing where he just fills me with joy and peace? No, it says, as you trust in him. So trust produces joy. As you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you study this deeply in scripture, you'll see that there's a link between these things. There's a link between the Holy Spirit, joy, hope, and strength. Go and study it. Wherever you see joy, true joy, the joy of the Lord, there's the Holy Spirit, there's hope, and there's strength. They go hand in hand. You see, hope is the byproduct of joy and peace. But we'll talk about that sometime perhaps. Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in who? Rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes, when things are going well, when my boss likes me, when my wife is favorable toward me. No, it says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's where God wants us to live. And guys, this is discipleship. When you disciple people, explain to them about joy. This is part of our freedom. This is part of our deliverance. You see, the degree to which you make Jesus the source and center of your joy is the degree to which you will experience supernatural, inexpressible joy. What's the source of your joy? You see, if the source of your joy is making money, you'll experience a certain level of happiness. A certain level of happiness that, ah, oh, we are okay. Yeah, we are free. Hey, financial freedom. But that's not the fullness of joy. So what will happen to you in times when things aren't going well financially? If your source of joy is how your wife is toward you. I don't want to unpack the details. How your husband is toward you. You'll just have ups and downs all the time. Amen? So what are you going to choose as your source of joy, your primary source of joy? Now watch this. I want to close with, I want to close with my third point and then we'll carry on next, next week. Joy is a central aspect of the kingdom of God. Joy is a central aspect in the kingdom of God. You can't talk about the kingdom of God without talking about joy. Watch this. Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And what's the second one? Now, we prioritize love, don't we? We know all oh, Christians must love. It's a sign of being a disciple. Isn't it interesting that Paul speaking to the people in the church at Galatia, the second thing he mentions is joy. Paul says elsewhere, he says in 2 Timothy, he says to Timothy, God, that which was deposited in you. How many of you know that there's the joy of your salvation? It's a spiritual blessing, but you have to guard it. What are the things that squash your joy? What are the things that rob you of your joy? Guard your heart so that you preserve that particular joy. Amen. 
in Luke chapter 2 verse 10 it says but the angel said to them do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people the good news of the gospel of the kingdom causes joy if you are preaching a message that doesn't cause joy you have to check the message now and say well what's the nature of this message I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all peoples. So my question to you is, what news are you listening to? Is the news that you are listening to producing joy in you? If it's not producing joy, then stop listening to it. But if you know sometimes it's addictive. Some of you are addicted, addicted to bad news. You're there, you're always watching the news. Oh, what's the next worst disaster that has happened? And that's what you meditate on throughout the week. But here the angel said, I bring to you good news that will cause great joy. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 27 says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Wherever God is, there's strength and joy. Remember I shared with you earlier on that those two are linked. You can't say, oh, I was in God's presence and there's no joy there and there's no strength there. Romans 14 verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of what? Of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, we also see that joy is so central to the kingdom of God because the king of the kingdom, Jesus, is full of so much joy. The Bible is very clear, and I want to close with these passages of scripture. Look how it describes Jesus. It says, he was despised and rejected. This is Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. So Jesus was acquainted with sorrow, wasn't he? But then in Psalm 45, verse 6 to 7, it says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. So Jesus was the most joyful person to have ever lived. And yet he was a man acquainted with sorrow. You cannot experience the depth of joy without being acquainted with sorrow. To experience true joy in your life does not mean that you've got this, um, this blind, these blindfolds when it comes to sorrow. No, you experience grief, you experience sorrow, but in the midst of your sorrow, God anoints you with joy. Isn't that powerful? Some of you are going through painful times. Don't numb yourself to that pain. Remember I've experienced, I've shared with you before, you can't compartmentalize numbing. Because when you numb yourself to that pain and that sorrow, you're also numbing yourself to joy. So be willing to cry when you experience sorrow. And you'll see God taking you to a powerful level of joy. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your troubles. I think that's so powerful. I like how it's written in the New Living Translation. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. So that's my prayer for you this morning.